You guys are blessed to have her doing this. She's awesome, and she's one of my dearest friends. Okay, well, in this session, we're talking about abandonment every day. How many of you know that innate within our hearts is the desire to be wholehearted, the desire to love with all that we are? The Lord put within us this craving for abandonment. And it's the reason that we despise lethargy and we despise compromise. And even in our own hearts, when we're in those places of compromise, we have this thing inside of us that's always wanting to break out and do something radical. God put that within us. He's made us to be abandoned. When I think of abandonment, I think of the highest call that Jesus gave to the human heart when he invited us in the first commandment, Matthew 22. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And when I picture Jesus, I want you right now, I want you to picture Jesus giving this invitation. He locks eyes with ours, with yours. And He gives this invitation to love Him with all that you are. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. This first commandment is the highest because it's the one that embraces them all. It's like if we get this one, we'll get them all. And, you know, we look at this first commandment. And it's so great and it's so massive before us. I think of it as a great big mountain in front of us. You know, when we look at that, that mountain of being holy, of being abandoned, of giving everything for God, and in our hearts we go, Oh God, that's a really big mountain. You know, and so often we've heard the Lord's invitation toward abandonment and we've heard some harshness in it we've heard you know some some degrees of feeling like god this is too hard it's too much but what the lord wants to invite us into what he wants to give us is that new approach to holiness which again is really the old approach when we look at that mountain of being abandoned for god what we have to know is that love is the way forward. If we actually fall in love, guess what? We'll climb that mountain, we'll ascend that mountain, and we'll reach the top. Love is the way forward. Jesus said, love me and you'll give me all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The secret to being abandoned is falling in love with the man, Christ Jesus. And so he invites us to lock eyes with his. Jesus commands, when he gives this command, he's commanding what love demands. It's the very nature of love to give all, to give everything, to give our entirety. It's the nature of love to lay down our lives. When we look at Jesus, as he's inviting us to us, think about who he is. Jesus the God-man. 
Now the thing that makes him unique among all the sons of men and chief among ten thousand is that he did not begin as you and I. When we look at Bethlehem and we look at the stable, you know, when we think of Jesus and we think of his beginning, that's where we we start. But Jesus begins way before Bethlehem. And John 1 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The one that we are locking eyes with, the one that is beseeching us to give Him our everything. He was the one with the Father from everlasting, in the bosom of the Father, with all delight, sharing in the exchanges of love from eternity. Before you and I ever entered the story, the story had begun, and it began with the Word and the Father in perpetual love from eternity pouring out one unto another, demonstrating love untold, love surpassing our comprehension. We cannot even know the love. It surpasses our mind, and yet we've been given entrance when He locks eyes with ours and says, Love me. Love me in the way that I have loved you. Jesus asks Him, asks us to give him everything because that's what love does the God of love who has always been has always loved even before God so loved the world think about the love within the Godhead think about between Father Son and Holy Spirit The Lord invites us to give Him our everything. Now, a few months ago, I was um, having an an ordinary day. I'm a mom of two kids. Matt and I have two kids. We have a little girl named Maddie. She's three. A little boy named David. He's one. We were at the end of one of our days. And if you're a parent, you know that when you finally get the kids to bed, there's just that... Ah, moment. And we were in one of those ah, moments when Matt, he just said something so brilliant, and he's brilliant anyway. My husband is the most, he's the most brilliant man. I love him. And he loves God. And out of kind of the ponderings of his own heart, he says this statement that went like an arrow into my heart. He said, you know, We can be wholehearted right now. And when he said that, it was like a light went on in a place that I didn't know was darkened. You know, for for so many years of my life, one of the things I've held most precious and kept before me as that sacred vision is the, the, the vision of wholeheartedness, the vision of being abandoned, the vision of actually giving God everything. And yet when Matt said that to me, we can be wholehearted right now, it's like a light went on. Because I realized that in all of my years, there was a disconnect from the idea and the truth that wholeheartedness, loving God, being abandoned, 
the first commandment, loving Him with all my heart, my soul, my strength, that it's not something just out, way out there in my future some, somewhere, but that it's actually an invitation that Jesus gives to me, gives to you right now in this very moment. And that it can be attained right now in this very moment. Wholeheartedness to love the Lord our God with all that we are is not about maturity. I imagined out there that ultimate Dana out there somewhere, you know, in the many years ahead when I would finally get it straight. You know, mind, soul, heart, strength. I mean, that's a lot of categories. <laughs> you know, and Lord, when I will finally just get everything to line up just right, and take a picture, because I finally reached the day when I was wholehearted. And I had this disconnect as I separated myself, you know, into that future day. And the Lord was revealed in my heart. It's changed every day since. That the only context we have to be certain of is today. We may not have tomorrow. We don't know. There may not be a Dana 30 years from now. I don't know. The only moment I'm certain of is right now. Therefore, the only place that I can assuredly love Him with my whole being is in this moment right now. And Jesus doesn't say, well, that doesn't count because you're not mature yet. He says, that's it. You're giving me your everything right now. You're withholding nothing even as I have withheld nothing. It's a present tense invitation. It's for right now. Every season that we walk through has within it a reason or an argument to keep us from giving God everything. We, again, we have that disconnect where we, we have the seasons that we think, you know, if I could just get through this season, then I'll do it. Then I will really go hard after God because I intend to. I'll do it in a few seasons from now, you know, because right now I'm in school and I'm just so busy and I have, you know, all of these tests ahead of me or I'm at work and I work from, you know, sun up to sundown. I don't have any time. I can't, I can't give myself in the place of prayer or the word. So you know what? I plan on being abandoned, but I just can't do it right now. Or maybe it's other things. Maybe it's the pain of circumstance that keeps us from being fully abandoned. Maybe it's the, you know, I'm in, a, in, in so much pain right now. Jesus, I want to love you with all that I have. But, but oh, Jesus, I, I'm in pain right now. When I get through this pain, then I'll do it. Then I'll say yes. Or for others, it's a season of regret where we feel like we had that opportunity, but we missed it. You know, I, I had that, that window and it opened for me and I said no and so my, my chance is over. There's all the reasons. It's because the enemy, what he despises most is passionate burning love for Jesus. So he'll keep us at every turn. He'll try to keep us from giving ourselves right now. Another big one, this has been the big one for me in the last three years is that right now just seems so ordinary. 
How could this be the context that wholehearted love would come forth in? You know, I imagine those, those days out in my future when maybe I'll be persecuted and maybe I'll be tested and in that day I'll be wholehearted. But Jesus, He looks at our lives in the monotony and He says, right now, today, this is your window. Give me everything today. Bernard of Clairvaux has a quote. He said, If we love with our whole being, nothing is lacking where everything is given. If we love with our whole being, nothing is lacking where everything is given. If we give God our all, we lack nothing in love. And we can do that today. We can do that in this very moment. How do we do that? We open our hearts to the Lord and we say yes to the Holy Spirit in every area. And when He reveals something to us, some area of compromise or darkness, we agree. And we say, oh God, change me. And we set our hearts and we set our will and we move forward in transformation in those areas. And when we do that, we're giving Him our whole being and we're loving Him with all that we are. And that's what the Lord asks us to do. I want to look at this nature of love to give everything. I want to look for a moment into the one who is love, love himself. I want to think about the love of the Father. When Jesus asks us to give him everything, again, he's only asking what he himself has always done and always given. When God asks for us to love him wholly, he's saying, do what love does. Lay your life down. Do what love does. Give me everything. And how will you do that? You'll do that by catching the glorious vision of how I myself have loved you in that way. You'll give me, you'll give me everything as you see that I've given you everything. So ask the question, what is the Father gave in love unto us. John 3.16 is perhaps one of the most familiar verses in the Word to us. Oh, that it would break our hearts in a new way. For God so loved the world that He gave His only. For the Father so loved the world that He gave that which was most precious the only begotten, the Son of His love, the Word who was with Him from everlasting, towards Him, the, the One who was the master craftsman beside Him, daily His delight, says Proverbs 8. Zechariah 13 says, The man who was my companion. How much does the Father love the Son? How much does the Father love the Son? You know, the picture we have of, of what God did in the giving of His Son is the picture of Abraham and Isaac. When Abraham went in obedience to the Lord to give His Son, His only Son, on the altar as God told Him to do, 
My daughter Madison, she's three. She has the animated version of this Bible story. And several times she'll be watching it. I'm watching it with her. We'll get to that part and she'll say, Mommy, what's happening? And as I'm watching, I can't even bear it. I'm looking at this story and I'm trying to put it in three-year-old language and yet I'm caught up going, Oh God, what have you done in the giving of your only son? Oh God, what has love done? God, I, I know what it is to have a child. I know what it is to have the precious one, the only one. Oh Father, what did you do in the giving of your son? It goes against everything in our human nature. He breaks all the rules. In fact, we take that story and we're glad it's in the Old Testament because if it were for today, which it is, if, we, if it were for today, that's the point. The Father is saying, it is for today. This is my story. But if it, if it happened today, Abraham would have been written off as someone crazy. He'd be jailed for such a thing. We don't even have a grid for it. Our, our, in our human nature, we say, I don't even understand that. And yet, this is the demonstration of love that the Father gave in His Son. He gave everything. Oh, that we would not be distant from that unthinkable reality of what the Father gave when He gave His only Son. And then the Son. What has the Son given unto us? I think of Jesus and I imagine Him. I imagine in the eternal councils. And I imagine as the, the great master plan of God was being conceived, if I can even talk in that kind of language. And Jesus, knowing the role He would play as the only begotten Son, steps forward and He says, Here am I. He says, I delight to do Your will. Hebrews 1.5 says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, a body you have prepared for Me. Oh God, I delight to do Your will. It's in my heart. In the book, it's been written of me to do Your will. And the Son, think, think of this One who for all of the ages had dwelt in the adoration of all the heavenly hosts. What kind of love, what kind of adoration was given unto Him, you know, day after day after day, only outside of time. And Jesus, in that exalted place, the highest of heights, for love, for love, said, I will become poor. And He takes that great leap from the heights to the depths, and He becomes the lowest of lowest, the servant of servants, and when every angelic eye, every human mind would think, would, would gaze upon this unthinkable act of love, Jesus said, and I will go yet lower still. And He did what love does. 
He demonstrated his love by giving his life up when he died for us on the cross. It's what love does to give everything is the nature of love. This is what the Father has given in the Son. This is what the Son has given in the giving of His life. And it was more than just His life. It was more than just His physical life. He gave to us all of His attributes, His excellencies. He robed us in His very own righteousness. He put within us His very own Spirit. It's not as though the Son said, here is the line and you can have this much of the inheritance, but thus far and no more. Because after all, I'm the only begotten son. Jesus said, all that I have is yours. Because love gives everything and it withholds nothing. It's unrestrained. It keeps nothing back. And Jesus loved us with all that he is. These are the eyes that we meet when Jesus invokes us. He beseeches us. It's a beseeching that is born out of His very own living. He says, do what I have done. Do what I have done. Love me with all that you are, even as I have loved you with all that I am. In this way, you will love me with the very same love that is in me. It's a supernatural operation of the Spirit. When we love God, truly, it is the Holy Spirit causing something other than to happen in our lives. And this is the gift that He wants to bring us into. We were created for it. We were created for abandonment. Innate within us is a despising of anything less. We were made for it. And one of the greatest aspects of giving ourselves wholly to God and holding back nothing is that therein is where all the joy is found. Joy unspeakable is found in love unrestrained. Joy unspeakable is found in love unrestrained. When love is given full access to every area of our lives, when we let love do what is its very nature to do, it's the nature of love to take over, to conquer, to, to take over every opposer, every enemy, everything that gets in the way. When we let love do what it does, we find joy unspeakable. Yes, to be wholehearted will cost us everything. But in that place of living in the light, there is joy, the highest joy. Think about the saints of history. Think about the greats throughout the ages. Those that have loved Him. Holy. I think one of my favorites, I think of Mary of Bethany. I think of Mary of Bethany as Jesus was about to go to the cross. And he told his disciples time, time after time, told them what was about to happen. And here he is just days before this suffering, unthinkable. And Mary enters the picture. She has a plan. She'd kept this 
this offering for this very hour. And I just imagine the story. I imagine as she breaks into the room, she's carrying this flask, this vial of perfume. And I think of Martha and Lazarus. And I think of, you know, them knowing just what she's holding. You know, it was probably given to her by their parents. It was her inheritance. It was her certainty of the future. She had this in her hands. And if she were to give it all, it would be doing just that. It would be everything. She had nothing but this. This was her certainty of tomorrow. And she comes in and in one moment's time, she wastes it. She pours it out over Jesus. It was an act of extravagant devotion. She gave everything, her whole inheritance. And I just imagine Jesus in those moments, as there was a certain silence. He was silent, even as the accusations came forth. And as the whole room sat swimming in that fragrance, Jesus was silent for a moment. And I imagine him peering into this act of devotion and thinking, this is what I do. She's doing what I do. She's loving me in the same way that I love. She's giving everything. And when he said the statement, when he came to her vindication and he said the statement, wherever this gospel is preached, include this story. I think it was far more than just wanting to honor her because of her devotion. He was saying, tell this story too, because she helped me tell my story. Tell her story with mine, because it's the same thing. She gave all even as I give all. She loved even as I love. So put her story in there every time. I think of the widow that gave her two mites. And imagine Jesus as he's looking at every person that put their treasures into the treasury. And he sees this widow and she's bringing her little two mites. And as she puts it in the treasury, Jesus says, everybody stop. Did you see that? Did you see that? She just gave me everything. And that's what love does. What made her offering so precious is that it was one wrought in love. She gave everything, her whole livelihood. And I imagine Jesus was thinking, she just loved me as I love. She gave everything. God loves us with everything. It's, it's not just in the way the Father gave the Son and in the way the Son gave His life. But even today, think about, think about how God is so extravagant and excessive, even in creation. I imagine even back to Mary of Bethany when Jesus is looking at her, you know, pouring out this oil. I imagine Him thinking about the way that He and His Father put the stars in the sky, commanded the colors of every kind, the flowers and the rain and the snow and the mountains, the sunsets. It's 
unnecessary, absolutely unnecessary beauty. And yet it's there day after day. Its speech goes forth every day for anyone listening. The extravagance of God's love, of giving everything, of pursuing us with excessive extravagance. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. And yet He did. Why? Because love loves to give everything. That's why we love Mary of Bethany, because she didn't have to do that. Do that. And yet she did. It was a voluntary act, and that's what made it so precious. We love God entirely in our day-to-day lives. This is something that we have to get a hold of. We have to know that abandonment unto God is not something far out there in our future. It's about today. And I can be wholehearted today in fullness. Because God's not looking at me waiting for me to be fully mature in every area before He counts it as fully given. What He's after is the entirety. He's after the fact that I'm holding back nothing and I'm giving Him everything. And He says that is love in its fullness. We might often think that another season or or another life might more lend itself to abandonment. Someone else has it easier to be abandoned, you know. They had better parents. You know, they had better circumstances. It's too hard for me. I've had a, you know, I've had a harder life. There's all the arguments. Again, that I'm in, I'm in a hard season right now, or, or I'm, I'm in a busy season. It's too hard. When I was nine months pregnant with my first child, I remember I was driving in my car one day, and I was scared to death. I was about to have my first baby. And I remember thinking, okay, I've seen many women do what I'm about to do. Some friends, some acquaintances, some I don't know. But it just seemed like, you know, I was standing on the edge of this great cliff. And I didn't know what was ahead. And I had all my years before and all my ways of defining how to know God, how to love God. I had all that behind me. But ahead of me was all the uncertainties. I didn't know anything about what I was about to enter. And it was like I'd seen all these these moms, and as they became a mom, they'd enter into this wilderness out there, and sometimes I never saw them again. You know, it's like, what, what happens out there? Would somebody just tell me? And I remember feeling just, you know, scared, going, oh God, oh God, oh God, what am I venturing into? And I remember the Lord saying to my heart, Dana, this next season in your life is not, in my book, because I always imagine the great book, Jesus' great book that he writes, you know, every day and every prayer and every moment, And so I'm imagining this great book. Jesus says, in my book, this next season of your life is not titled, and Dana 
became a mom. Nor is it titled, And Dana Had a Baby. He said, The next season in your life is titled, And Dana Grew in Love. And he spoke to my heart that this season was not a sidelined season. This was about the furtherance of love. And just as I had invitations in the past, I would have the same invitations every day in this season and the next season and the next season. If I would say yes, love would grow. Because love is not stagnant. It cannot be stagnant or it is not love. It has to keep moving. And he was saying, Dana, don't get sidelined. For another person, it's the idea of, you know, school is taking up all my time. Jesus would say, don't get sidelined. I have invitations for you every day to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you give me everything... If you love me with your whole being, nothing is lacking where everything is given. He wants to know that in each different season. Because seasons change. They come and go. Things look different. The horizon looks different. But if we say yes to the man who is before our eyes every single day, if we lock eyes with him, if if we lock into that gaze and say yes, to the invitation of wholeheartedness. We will move forward in love up that great mountain and it will be conquered. The Lord wants to give us that invitation day after day after day. Again, one of the biggest hindrances is that how can I, how can I be wholehearted right now? The problem with right now is right now is so ordinary. It's so common. Yet commonness, it's the nature of human life in the age of time. It's the only sort of context that we're given. This is the context for which Jesus is asking for us to love Him wholly. You know, when, when we imagine that, you know, that spiritual person out there that is us, when we finally have the breakthrough in our hearts and we're finally mature, It's like I, so many times, even in my desire to have a heart prepared for the end of the age, for the return of Jesus, as I'm imagining times of persecution or, you know, times of testing, and I imagine that that person out there, that Dana out there, and I go, oh God, what will I say? What will I do? What will my response be? And we get into that, you know, pressure, fear zone. Jesus would say to us, you will do in that day exactly what you do in this day. It's not a different person out there. You will respond then just how you respond today, for better or for worse. If you love me with all of your heart today, in the window that you know for sure of, if you give me everything on this day, then in that day, You know what? You'll do the same thing. Today we exercise our muscles in love. We do it over and over and over. 10,000 times 10,000. And in that day, if you and I should face such an hour, you know, of, of being persecuted unto death, of martyrdom, whatever those heights that we imagine, 
in that day, guess what? Just like in the natural, when, when our bodies do what they've been trained to do, when test time comes, we'll do exactly in that day what we've been doing all the way along. The preparation for then is right now. I had a dream several years ago, and in this dream I was, through, a, through several different circumstances, I was aware in the dream in an instant that the horizon of the earth had changed and persecution was upon the church in a really severe way even in the Western world, and that we would soon have our lives taken if we loved Jesus. And in this dream, I was trembling. And I was talking with some of my closest friends, and I start weeping as I looked down, as though I could look down into my own soul. And I said, this is all the reality that I go in with. And I was referencing the parable in Matthew 25 about the oil and the wise virgins that got reality and intimacy with God. I said, this is all. I'm taking this in to all of the persecution ahead, and this is it. And I said, I thought there would be angels that would, visit, would have visited me. I thought I would have had so many dreams and so many supernatural encounters and all I have is this and it was, it was so ordinary. It was so normal. My times of prayer were mostly me fighting through boredom, fighting to believe it was real, saying, I love you, God, I can't hear you. It was, it was painful. It was barren. I, yes, I had a few times, you know, in, throughout the months and years where I would feel have those breakthroughs of actually feeling the love in, in, in heightened ways. But most of it was, was pretty low-key. And this is my preparation. And in the dream, I was, I was trembling, going, Oh, God, is it enough? And the message of the dream was simply that. It was the Lord saying, It is enough. If you say yes to me in the ordinary, you will say yes to me in the extraordinary. In the moments that are heightened, in the moments of testing and persecution, guess what? You'll do the same thing. The only way that we can love God fully in the days and years to come is that if we love Him fully today, right now. This is our window. The Lord wants to invite us to seize that window the reason that we know the greatest testament of the nobility of the common parts of life as being the moments that we can love God with all of our hearts is Jesus. In the incarnation, for 30 years He walked in near pure obscurity. We don't know hardly anything about what happened in Jesus' life for 30 years? Hiddenness, common, mundane, day in, day out, day in, day out. And it was from that place that He offered perfect love unto His Father, day after day after day. He came into the, to the deep parts of our story He experienced the depth of monotony. He knew human experience. 
He embraced the human plight. And by doing so, He put within every moment that you and I are in a doorway of fellowship that we could walk through if we would say yes. There's not a moment too ordinary. There's not, a, there's not an offering too small. If we give Him our hearts in fullness, he's, there's nothing that we offer Him that He says, that is way too ordinary for me. He says, oh, I know the ordinary. And I planned the story. And I put you in this context. And I could have done it any way I chose. And yet I, and yet I saw this as perfect. Perfect to bring your heart forth in love. Love me. Give me everything right here, right now. Meet my gaze. Do it today. Do you know what this does? It causes our hearts to become alive because we're not living for some day far out there. Though we are, it's that we realize, we tremble over every moment and it prepares us for that day out there if we ever enter that day. I wake up in the morning different. I wake up in the morning with expectation. I'm getting ready in my bathroom thinking, oh God, right now, all, everything. And when something, when something comes to mind, when the Lord, when the Holy Spirit brings something to my mind that is, you know, that has areas of darkness, I have touched the exhilaration of living in the light to such a degree that there's something in my heart that goes, I could give you this too. And then I could be that much closer to you and experience the pleasures unending of living that much closer in fellowship and union because God is light and in Him is no darkness. And so every degree of darkness that we surrender, we enter into greater fellowship with the light. It changes everything. It turns today into something eternal. And that was God's plan. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we say yes. Jesus wants us to meet His gaze. To embrace this. His desire is that we would say yes. Highest love equals greatest joy. When we surrender ourselves, and I've talked all about loving God with all of our hearts, well, guess what? The second is like the first. When we love God with everything, there is an automatic overflow into loving each other. And the one serves the other because both charges require the same response. It's to lay our lives down. The charge of both to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to love our neighbor. There's tremendous overlap. Because it requires the same sort of giving. And Jesus said, love is demonstrated. It has always been demonstrated. And it will always be demonstrated by the laying down of your life. Greater love has no man than this. And this is how you know what love is. That Jesus gave his life. For you that's what love does and so Jesus invites us into the very thing that he himself has done from everlasting knowing that it's in this great giving of ourselves you know think about your relationships think about 
even how we, we love, when we love another, we're loving God. And when we love God, we're loving another. It, they go hand in hand and cannot be separated. When you yield to Him in those, in those areas of tension in relationships, when you say yes to Him, it goes against our human nature because everything in our human nature is based in pride. It's all about me. You know, I think of in the last few years as I've become a mom, guess what? I mean, talk about the great sanctifier. All of us have those, those great sanctifiers in our lives that the Lord uses. But so many times, the reason I say that is so many times throughout my day, even in one day, you know, as, as my daughter's not obeying, it, it, it creates this thing to come up in me where I'm frustrated. And why am I frustrated? Well, guess what? The frustration is actually just anger, and anger is actually just pride. And so every day I have so many opportunities to to, to experience my barrenness, my poverty, to once again have those areas of darkness come up. And if I say yes to love in those times, it's loving God. In our relationships, we are given some of our most greatest opportunities to demonstrate our love for God. The two really go hand in hand. So highest love equals greatest joy. I just picture Jesus and I picture Him as He's giving us this invitation. He's the one with the oil of gladness above all His companions. In Psalm 45, He's the one with grace poured upon His lips. He's the one that has joy above all. You know, He's the happiest man alive, Jesus is. His joy so surpassing is not separate from His sacrifice so exceeding. Jesus knows the secret of giving everything. He's the one with the greatest joy. And He says, you know what? It's going to feel costly on the front end. And it will cost you everything. But it will connect you day after day to the joy unspeakable that is in God's heart. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. And here in His heart He had this joy unspeakable to give to us. And that joy that is in Jesus is not separate from His sacrifice. The sacrifice, as we lay our lives down, it's like we finally get to to stop that frenzied fight as we're always trying to seek for ourselves and our own gain and how to keep things going for ourselves when we can finally stop all that and lay our lives down for another therein is greatest joy Jesus wants us to touch that joy unsurpassed it's living in the light he wants our fellowship to increase Day after day after day, these two realities go hand in hand, giving Him all, giving Him everything, and experiencing pleasures unending. Let's all stand.
The Lord wants to invite us today, today, to give Him everything. It exhilarates my heart to think that before the throne of God, when I offer my heart to Him right now, that God, from all of the things that He sees and knows, could look down right now and see wholehearted love. The Lord wants to give us this invitation to have it be something that we put before our eyes every day, that we lock in with that gaze. We meet His eyes as He invites us today. Love me with all that you are. Give me everything, even as I have given you everything. If you love me with your whole being, nothing is lacking where everything is given. As Luke leads us, I'm just going to pray as we respond to the Lord individually. Oh, Jesus, we do meet your gaze right now all across this room. Those watching by webcast, we meet your gaze, oh, beloved Son of God. Oh, the one who shines from everlasting. The one who has loved us with an everlasting love. Jesus, you've given us your everything. You've withheld nothing. And you invite us to love you even as you have loved. Lord, we meet your gaze right now. I ask for your spirit to rest upon us right now, right now. I ask for the anointing, the supernatural grace of the Holy Spirit to love you with all that we are. Come, Holy Spirit, even now.